So you're going to introduce me first, and are we on Facebook right now? Uh, We're on Facebook right now. Yeah, it's a a non-stop. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. (laughs) All right. So so Annette is going to, her presentation today is called Secure, Avoidant, Anxious, um, Ambivalent, and Disorganized Attachment Styles and Impact on Adult Relationships, How to Heal and Become More Secure. A clinical counselor with 30 years experience, she started out in youth and family counseling, addictions, and for the past 16 years, Annette has had a private practice called Pure Insights Counseling in Lower Mission. She works with adults, youth, families, and couples. Today, Annette is going to talk more about trauma response versus activating our wise brain, self-esteem, understanding early attachment, and how this impact, impacts conflict connection and where we put our energy so what an amazing topic and amazing you I know you felt so your comments all the time that you're life-changing for people and couples and kids and I can't thank you enough for the gifts that you thanks thanks Shauna you're always you're always so supportive thank you honey okay I'll back back into the background and let you take Okay. okay So welcome everyone. Um, Like Shauna said, I'm going to talk a little bit about early attachment and how that sort of impacts us moving forward in relationships. So I've always said 75% of our emotional map happens zero to six, and then our brains don't fully develop till about 25. So we go into life with some patterns. So when I talk about sort of relationships, I talk about sort of relationships go from harmonious to not harmonious, to repair. But let's say in our family of origin, we didn't learn repair. Repair means that we both can turn toward the problem and try and understand where both of us are coming from um, based on our histories. And we can be vulnerable. We can be gentle with our startup, right? And when we've had trauma, we have very strong beliefs and strong feelings about things. Um, And as a result, when we try and repair sometimes, if we've got some struggles around boundaries and around self-esteem is what you'll see is that one person will go into a one-up position to say, hey, like do-do-do-do-do. And that often will lead somebody to go to one down or they might go to one up. And these things are all based on our early attachments. And what did we learn about relationships? So when we're parenting kids, we kind of go from you know, kids need limits, they need nurturing and love, and they also need guidance. So when we parent our child from a very black and white spot, and then we don't repair with them, they walk away with some shame, and they also walk away with some anxiety. So anxiety we all have, but it goes up when we feel like I can't cope with this, or it's a full for me right? This might leave me feeling the same way I felt in front of my dad or in front of my mom when I was a kid. So, um, so when I talk about this stuff, I kind of talk about like, we have none of us get through life unscathed. I've got a story. And so does everybody else, right? So we have some wounded parts of ourselves. So we say, you know, my wounded self had to adapt to that. So kids will adapt, they'll find ways to connect with their parent, they might be the pleaser or they might get addicted to turning away and going to friends but some go to drugs or alcohol by teen years we're all trying to do the best we can to soothe ourselves so I kind of say we've got this like 
original wounded child, then we go into these behaviors, right? So that's kind of the adapted child. And however we adapted as a kid gets in the way of interpersonal relationships later on in our lives. So we need to be aware of what, what does my adapted child look like? And so when trauma, when uh, Shauna was saying something about, she talks about sort of the we brain. So when we think about a trauma brain, we think of the response being fight, flight, freeze, fall over, or fix, right? But our we brain is like, it can hold space for your feelings and my feelings. And we can sort of have empathy and compassion and there can be some accountability. But let's say, you know, I was really shamed as a kid. You know, I'm not really interested in feeling that way again. I might just turn away. But this is when we kind of get into the different attachment styles and what that means. So, so some of us didn't learn to be more relational. So a secure attachment means I can go to that parent and say my truth to them. Hey, I don't like that. That makes me mad or sad. But I might just, you know, also cry and be vulnerable and talk about it. And we've got a parent that can nurture us and soothe us, but also help guide us because kids make mistakes. That's just part of what happens in childhood. We're meant to learn from the adults in our lives. So that's a secure attachment, okay? So um, then we've got sort of an avoidant attachment. Now I'm gonna go more into avoidant attachment because I see lots of my private practice. And I also see a lot of anxious ambivalent attachment where we've had some abandonment issues and disorganized attachment. And I'm gonna try and give you sort of an overview of what that looks like. So for an avoidant attachment, relationships are uncomfortable around vulnerability. It's like they, you know, felt uncomfortable around feelings like sometimes they'll come into my office and say, hey, I have a, I had a great childhood, you know, if, if only my partner would stop doing this. Um, but avoidant attachment means that we didn't really have emotional language in our family. We might have, um, we might have done some nice things together and we might have some secure attachment because it's not all or nothing. But we, we have some avoidance around feelings and not a lot of language around it. And for men, you know, unfortunately, men don't have the same opportunities as women do to have intimate conversations. So we, they don't always get as much practice at learning how to do this. So let's say, you know, that's one avoidant attachment. Another avoidant attachment is when we may have had a narcissistic parent, like a parent that was taking energy from a child rather than giving them energy. Um, it might be that even a child like looks at their parent and can see they're wounded and sad. So they start to meet the parents need. But unfortunately, as they get older, relationship means that, ah, the people are going to take my, my freedom. I'm going to, it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, it might feel like intrusive, like relationships are just a hassle, right? Um, they're the ones that are often dragged into counseling and it's they're dragged into counseling because at some point they've often um, had no choice. They're going to lose their family or they're going to lose something. So there's some kind of leverage to get them moving along a little bit. Right. So an ambivalent anxious attachment is different. It's like, you know, sometimes I had my needs met. Sometimes I didn't but I really felt sort of emotionally abandoned at times. Sometimes I might get my needs met. Um, so we kind of have this like, mm, they grow up with a fear of abandonment. Like they're, you know, they really want to um, get love and affection um, and, but they don't always know how. They might get reactive around it. 
And when we see somebody like that has a lot of avoidant and ambivalent anxious attachment and they come in my office, I know that each person is rubbing on their wounds. And so often as a counselor, I'll meet with them individually and start to really do their family of origin stuff, help them really understand um, where they were wounded, how they adapted and what their family needs, right? So if I say to say a man to say, hey, like every day you're kind of walled off and not engaged with your family, um, that's them hurting, like they need you, right? They need you to kind of move in with that man energy. But you know, if a man was really overcorrected as a child or even a woman too, they get addicted to turning away. It's like, ah, I don't wanna be hurt again. I don't wanna go into that shame position. So when we look at families, it's like our relationships, we kind of look at when we go into a one up superior position or we go into a shame position. Um, you'll see like this, this and stuff going on, right? And somebody not maybe having verbal boundaries, we need to hold our voice in and be able to have a gentle startup. Um, we need to be able to not withdraw from our partner, right? There's, there's things that create insecurity in a relationship. So if we're having a time where we need to repair and someone doesn't repair, then I'm gonna be very curious about what they learned about repair and how come they're not repairing. Right. So they may withdraw and shut down if there's a substance abuse issue as a couple, then I stop working with the couple and I work with the substance abuse issues separately because my thoughts are is that their capacity to be available isn't there enough. They need to get more connected in the inside to their own emotional life and to be able to be responsive to someone else's and you know, when we look at sort of the trauma brain, I think like alcohol fuels the trauma brain. It makes us more unconscious and more numbed out. So we don't want more of that. We need someone like more present. And, you know, when we're trying to get out of our patterns from our history, we have to be more mindful of what triggers us. So if I'm mindful of, uh oh, this triggers me, if I've got abandonment issues, um, you know, I need to be able to soothe myself. Like, what actually heals some of these attachment things is if we've got a partner that has more secure attachment, that helps a lot for another person that has avoidant or ambivalent anxious because they're going to be a little bit less reactive. They're not going to have as many strong beliefs and strong feelings, right? They can regulate things a little bit better. And so it feels a little safer for an avoidant attachment to get a little closer. You know, but um, so we want to kind of take a look at those things. And, you know, um, the other part of that is this disorganized attachment. Now, disorganized attachment develops because a child experiences abuse, trauma, maybe a very chaotic home. So as a counselor, I have to really take them through their history, giving them tools to calm their body down, like to be able to even feel feelings because it's very scary and it's it's hard to calm our nervous system down when it had to be on high alert all the time, right? And when I work with sort of blended families, that's another level is because children have gone through a separation to one of their parents and now we're trying to blend a family. So if a step parent comes into a child's life under the age of five, that child will take that parent on as a parent. But if somebody comes in after the age of five or six in that download, they're the step parent. 
So they need to work on connection and that child needs a lot of attachment based parenting. Someone needs to be able to fuel that being known route for the kid to release feelings and talk about it and feel safe, get to their next better step. So, so when we've got sort of a disorganized attachment where that scary stuff happened, they have a hard time self-soothing and reaching out for help because it's like, wow, you don't reach to people for help. It's scary. Um, and, you know, trust issues and they're, they're, they have difficulty being relational. Relational means that, you know, I can, I can think about somebody else's feelings and my own, like I said, that we brain. So, so this is part of it. So a long time ago, they did do a study at Harvard and they did like, they did an 18 month old little baby boy and his mom, right? And he had a little dinosaur in his hand and uh, he would like play with the dinosaur and the mom would like feed the dinosaur and they were just kind of going along happily. And in the study, they asked the parent just to stop interacting. Don't feed the dinosaur, don't do anything, just stop. And so the little boy is like still trying to get the mom to like, hey, feed my dinosaur. And he's realizing that he's not getting through. And so he falls over and then he just cries heartbrokenly because he can't get a reaction from his mama, right? And so when we see that in that study, they leave him being in pain for two minutes. Well, people watching it, it's like hard to watch. The baby's crying and crying. And so then the mom, you know, is told to like interact again and the baby like slowly gets up and starts to slowly trust the parent to play with the dinosaur again. Um, and then we get more of a connection and a ball that goes back and forth and attunement, right? A parent, you know, reaching out to that child and guiding them and, you know, connecting with them, right? So in all this busyness or in all of our attachment stuff, we need to understand what our attachment style is in order to get better at relationship right so um i i thought i'd write down like some of the things that i've learned around sort of losing strategies around relationships mm. so one of the losing strategies in relationship of being able to be vulnerable is needing to prove that you're right all the time needing to be right yeah fight to be right um, another one is controlling your partner um, the big secret is people don't like to be controlled um, you know, another one is ventilating and complaining all the time, right? That's kind of toxic to a relationship. Um, and the other one is kind of retaliation. Retaliation is like when somebody's more passive aggressive, they're kind of doing things maybe indirectly to get back at you, right? You know, um, you know, people will often too like turn away with resentment. So I would say in a relationship, if I'm turning away with resentment, Obviously, I need some clear boundaries about what I need, right? Or I need to have some compassion. My partner is doing the best he can with what he has or she has. But, but we also need to look at resentment as like a victim mentality. I'm in a victim place because I'm not getting my needs met. And sometimes I'll even say to women, like, you'll be in a relationship and they'll say, well, he's not meeting my needs. And well, I say, well, have you communicated your needs? And they'll say, well, no. Like, why should I have to say that? And I'm like, well, because you need to tell them. You know, sometimes people need to know what it is that they need to do to make meet that need. So, you know, and I'm not saying men do the same thing, but sometimes I see some, you know, similarities based on women and men and how they sort of interact. But um, so another unhealthy kind of losing strategy is withdrawal. So when we withdraw from our partner, 
Um, and let's say that person has like abandonment issues. Um, they're gonna scratch to like, hey, hey, what are you doing? And then they scratch for say an avoidant attachment, the more they feel shame, the more they feel bad, the more they turn away. So if they had a whole series of that, they were never sort of repaired in their attachment. Because you remember, like if you correct your child and there's not any repair, child kind of walks away and sort of feels like, wow, like, okay, like, I guess I wasn't very good. Like I wasn't, I was kind of a bad kid. You know, sometimes that's more shame related than it is feeling guilty and being able to say, I'm sorry. That happens when a parent feels safe enough when we're being guided, then we can say to our parent, gee, mom, like our dad, I'm really sorry that I did that. Like I could have done that differently. Or a parent will guide you to say, hey, you know, that's not how we behave, but could you think about maybe something we could do to not do that tomorrow? Like it's not written in stone, we're growing and learning all the time, right? So, so withdrawal is kind of one of those things where I'm not participating because of you, that can be a sort of in a one up walled up position, I'm superior, or else I could be also into withdrawal and shame and feeling really bad, turning away to maybe a substance or something to make me feel better, right? So then we got an unavailable partner, right? Really in a relationship, we can say, hey, like I'm getting triggered right now. I just need some time. I need, I'll come back to you in an hour. And for a person that has ambivalent anxious attachment, you actually need to tell them, I'll come back in an hour and we can talk about this and try and understand what happened. Like what you need, what I need, how do we repair this, right? And to remember that all couples always have some core issues that they conflict about. Mm -hmm. So the difference is that some couples seem to be able to kind of get through it better. And, you know, when I look at that, I kind of look at what are the strengths in couples too? Like some couples just have um, more common values. They, they, they have a friendship, you know, that's the ideal is when we have a friendship and we can talk through things, we might even fight through things a bit, but we can try and get to solutions around it. You know, we, we don't just like withdraw and not do it. And we don't continue to just keep scratching somebody else's wound. But if we're caught up in attachment styles that are pretty set from our childhood, we often need the help of a counselor to kind of start to really unwind that and to hold people sort of more accountable, right? Because if we've got a big avoidant attachment, we're pretty much, like I said, there needs to be some leverage. So sometimes like, you know, I have a, a couple in my practice right now, you know, they've been married for a long time. They had to separate for a little while. The wife saying, I'm not doing it with you like this anymore. Um, the leverage is there. He's really learning. Like he's trying to grovel with his history and learn about feelings. But then he's got to take that action to kind of come back in. Neither one of them want to be really a part in their marriage. But there needed to be some leverage. And leverage doesn't happen just by having to leave the house. Leverage can be like, you know, I've decided to move downstairs for a little bit. Couples will do this. Or, you know, I've decided that, you know, you can take care of yourself around this for a little bit because I don't want to caretake this because I'm not feeling like you're hearing what I need. Now, we negotiate this. And I'm not saying leverage is always way to go. But with some avoidant attachment, sometimes that does help move things along a little bit. All of a sudden, they see some consequences to what happens if I don't do this. So they... 
you know, want to do that. Like they love their partners and they just may not have the language to know how to make that better. So, um, so these are some of the strat losing strategies. Okay. So some of the things that are winning strategies or the thing about the wee brain. Um, when you sit down to repair, you need to be in your wee brain. What I say is that you need to be, um, remember that I'm talking to make this better, right? I'm not talking to win. I'm not talking to, you know, get into a bigger fight. I'm talking to like, find like to make it better for me to remember that I love you, like that I, I do love you, right? So if my winning strategy is I can hold on to that space where I have some compassion, empathy for my parent, my partner and their stuff and my own, that doesn't mean I abandon me, right? Um, and I see for people, if you're turning away with resentment all the time, don't do that. Like fight for what you want. Like you need to get in there. And when I say fight for what you want, that doesn't mean fight. That means like gentle startup, letting someone know what's really important in your heart, what you need, right? So um, going after what you um, want and yeah. And sort of, and knowing what that is. Like sometimes we didn't get our needs met as a child. So we don't always know what we need. Um, and we want to, like I said, speak to make things better, but we want to be respond, I guess, with some generosity. Like when I talk about trauma, when we've had trauma, some of our ways of showing up and I, you know, I think I sort of even wrote it in my, my notes is, is when we've had that adapted child role that we had to kind of, we bring into life with us is that that adapted child is like kind of black and white, kind of too perfectionistic, um, can be relentless, um, can be rigid and harsh and hard and certain and tight in your body. So that's what I'm saying about sort of adapted child. We're, we're like, those are the kind of ways we show up when we're in our trauma brain. When we're in our we brain, we're more flexible. We're warmer, we're more humble. We're yielding to that energy a little bit. We're a little softer in our bodies. Maybe we needed to kind of go for a walk or do some kind of um, trauma things to calm our body system down, to try and securely, first of all, just kind of secure myself in this. Like, how can I esteem myself? I always tell people, what if I just put a loving um, coach or mom or somebody in your shoulder this, this energy is really loving it knows that you're beautiful and you rock and at the same time you're still healing and you still need to learn how to be relational and relational doesn't mean that you're here and I'm here and we're in our trauma brains yeah so that's why a counselor is so helpful because I I'm creating the safety for us to figure out those things to kind of find out what happened you know, let's say, you know, one person, all their attachment roots were missed by one parent. Well, they got abandonment issues. So as soon as they start to feel like they're being abandoned in the relationship and they're always on the lookout for abandonment, they might get critical or hard on their partner, which for your partner, that reciprocal is they may have had a very critical overcorrective parent. So now we've got like this vision of our partner. So this is when I say like, we have this negative vision of our partner when he's at his worst or when she's at her worst. The negative part of my partner might be she is really controlling and too critical and just too much, right? 
um, she might have a, 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 you know, a story of, oh, he's so unreliable and he doesn't care about my feelings. And he's just um, so like into like being with his friends and being away from me. It doesn't even care about how I feel. Right. Those are our like schemas, our stories we tell ourselves. Now, that isn't all of who that woman is and all of who that man is. Right. But we've got this like story about our partner. And as a result, we see them through that lens. And often that lens is related to our own history. So we keep activating that woundedness. It goes down that trauma track. I always say it goes down to the brain of the original stuff. Like we're amazing little machines. So we want to get off of that track to be when I say, you know, respond with a little bit more generosity, know that your partner's really triggered in that area, that the little girl, the little boy in them, um, that's what we're trying to look for, that, you know, to have some compassion and empathy for that story and to be able to listen with understanding. So we'll see couples, and I always think in couple relationships, there's like kind of three kinds of listening, okay? So one listening is listening to give solutions. Guys are really good at that, I'll give you a solution. And other kind of listening is listening to understand and have emotional attunement, right? Um, and the other listening is like promoting listening, like, wow, that's awesome. So, so what kind of listening do I need, right? So you'll see like a lot of times women will say, well, I just need him to understand and listen to my feelings. And guys are like, come on here. Like, but we just come up with some solutions. Like, really? You've been complaining about this or upset about this for a while. Um, so, so them needing to learn to understand and have more compassionate listening, um, and, you know, partnered and learning to actually move into their solutions too. like, not, I try not to like, see this is two people are wrong, just, you know, giving something that maybe the other person isn't really needing, right. They need something different, right. So again, it's like, um, we want to be able to cherish what we have, right. We want to be able to. Um, know that ultimately we need to build on a friendship, right? So, you know, do we enjoy each other's company? Like, are we doing stuff together? Well, couples will say, well, no, I don't do anything with them because we just fight or we don't have same interests. And it's okay to not have same interests, but, but maybe we need to learn to develop more of our connection so that we can be more relational. So we can enjoy each other's company because that is part of what makes couples get better and what helps them in the long run is when there is more of a, a friendship and an ability to understand what we need. And, and when we've had a lot of trauma, that might be mindful minute to minute of how I feel in regards to how I react versus respond to my partner. Right. So so we want to be able to hold our power more, not go down into the, the down here. So when I talk about that, there's like the four, four quadrants. One is, you know, boundaryless one up. That's like about control. And that's actually kind of abusive, that square. We don't want that square to happen. But what happens is and we also often will see a withdrawal and depressed and shut down and sometimes addictions down at the bottom in that shame right? Or we get into that superior position, or we get into a very love dependent, kind of um, dramatic kind of way of showing up like, oh, you know, really low and feeling shame. So we're trying to learn how to have better self esteem, right? And to have better boundaries to be able to say no, when I feel no, 
Now, let's say my program was to please and to always help. Then, you know, being able to say, no, I'm really sorry, I can't do that, feels more uncomfortable for that kind of person, right? Whereas another person that might be more avoidant, it's like, no, like, you know, got stuff to do, way more independent, needs to be able to say, yes, okay, I'll, I'll be not so rigid, or I'll be, I'll be able to be more humble, I'll be able to move into that energy a little bit easier. Um, slowly but that other person needs to create safety for that too if they're critical too much that person that's had shame or not dealt with feelings they're less likely to want to go there so that's where a secure attached person is sometimes better that helps heal it more but you know when I'm I'm teaching people around this stuff I you know I want people to learn how to do this differently like you know we all have wounded self and until we learn more about what we bring to the table, we can actually be more conscious of our choices. Like the more knowledge we have, the more, more ability to kind of protect ourselves, but to esteem ourselves, right? To be more moderate, not go to those extreme beliefs and feelings, which sometimes we don't even know. It's like, well, that is like wrong. That, that person is so wrong in that. And that makes you so right. And, and really we needed to understand more about if I think that behavior is so wrong, which ultimately that person may have some behaviors that are really difficult and maybe aren't workable. At the same time, you being so righteous isn't gonna bring that person closer to you. So it's like, do you want to get closer or do you want to be right? Do we wanna kind of figure out how to be able to understand what happened Right. So I always think people pick people. We pick people we're attracted to. We um, they can wound us in the places that we were wounded as children, but they also sometimes have the capacity to heal with us. We've got some medicine for them. They have some medicine for us. Um, so we want to be able to bring those together. And so coming back to that sort of secure, avoidant, ambivalent, anxious, and disorganized attachment um, helps us understand, right? And, and then get into some learning around how do we um, get to the table and talk more about what we want? Because I, I don't want to see people happy. They often say unhappy. They often say, well, you know, I've just accepted and that's fine. You can accept and let go and accept and let go. And at some point we may need a little bit more from that relationship. So how do we bring that to the table um, or else you can, you can accept the status quo. There's lots of couples that are miserable married and they stay married because it's convenient because they don't want to split finances. Like they just want to carry on. And I understand that, right? That is security. And, you know, and sometimes we always have a purpose. So one of the purposes might be to raise our children. And once they launch, we need to take a look at our relationship and see whether we can negotiate what that looks like and get it working better, or we may separate at that point, right? So um, I'm hoping that some of this stuff is helpful um, in terms of um, learning. It, um, one of the things I always suggest to people in the beginning when I work with people is there's a good attachment exercise that's free to everyone is called Dr. Diane Poole's attachment quiz. Um, it will give you some numbers, like what am I, like secure, avoidant, ambivalent, um, disorganized. But 
we're never just like one thing, right? So somebody might be a lot of secure attachment and their secondary might be avoidant or their secondary might be ambivalent anxious. Let's say someone's very ambivalent anxious with just a little bit of secure attachment. So I'm gonna know that that person kind of loses themselves in a relationship, right? I'm gonna know the highly avoidant attachment person is gonna be very independent and relationships are gonna be a pain in the butt. Like they're, it's gonna be harder. They just like to be independent, right? Um, and, you know, disorganizes the very fearful and relationships feel sort of unsafe. And um, so helping them understand and get some like help with their trauma. So all those things are really helpful. So if you do that exercise on the internet, you can find like Dr. Diane Poole's attachment quiz and just get a little idea of where you are around that. They'll have you some relationship questions. And um, I think that's like mostly what I was wanting to talk about today. I mean, I could add a few more things in terms of um, what relational means, like turning to went toward with a gentle startup. But I always ask people like, how do I behave when I don't get what I want? There's my adapted child, right? So how do I behave when I don't get what I want? Well, if I had a secure attached parent, I might go to that person gently and say, hey, like I really need to, we need to talk, blah, blah, blah. But if I don't get the response I need, maybe I'll go into my secondary attachment phase, which might be getting really upset and hurting, or I might go into one up or one down. So, so we wanna learn more about regulating self-esteem, having good boundaries and people's stories to help them connect better. So that's me today, Shauna. So I'm not sure whether you wanna get back on the screen. Hopefully you're watching me right now. Um, of course, of course, I'm watching you right now. <laughs> Yay. All right. So you, you, still, you still got a few minutes. Did you want to talk about how you ended up on this career path? Um, yeah, you know, I had some personal trauma in my own life, right? My mom had a lot of trauma and my dad had trauma. Um, and of course, you know, in that learning is when I became like my early teens, I started to really get curious about the patterns in my family. So I went to the forum and I went to the pursuit of excellence and I did all this personal growth stuff. And I um, just fell into the job that I fell into, which is initially was child and youth care counseling. And, and I was, I was just really good at it. So my, I kept getting hired in my practicums and obviously I could see that this job was actually meant for me. Um, and so it's more of an extension of who I am, even in regards to, um, but, but also the other piece of that is I've had to learn my own trauma responses and my own way of healing and growing. So I think that's how I kind of fell into it. So I feel like I have some, not only some education, um, but I also have some life experience that helps me really understand some of these things that helps me dig in and get more mindful about how this stuff works. So, so that's, that's kind of the backstory, Shauna. Awesome. Uh, Julie Morgan uh, made a comment. That was great. Thank you, Annette Atkin. Oh, thanks, Julie. Charlie Fitness sent you a big heart. Thank you. And, and I did add into the uh, Facebook uh, comments below the dianepoolheller.com quiz. I think I got the right one there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, attachment quiz. There's a few, but that one seems to be good. It's usually a longer um, exercise to get your attachment style, but um, it gives you a pretty good little picture. So, and then we get a better idea of, huh, how do I show up in relationships and what could I do to help heal and grow and move forward to? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Should we, let, should we let Judy in here to join us? Sure. 
Yeah. She's, she's next on, so. Okay. We'll put her on the spot. <laughs> Hi, oh, Judy. Hey, Judy. We're hey, Judy. Running, we're running a few minutes early. <laughs> oh, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, you two yeah. know each other. Yes, how are you, Annette? Oh, I'm good. How about yourself, Judy? Good. How was your talk? Um, well, I guess we'll hear from other people. <laughs> Yeah, no. so so they can't, can they actually post questions in the chat or anything? Yeah, yeah, we're Facebook Live right now with the three of us. 